0: Boy, there is a sweet spirit in the house of God today. I don't know if you would agree or not, but it is certainly the case from where I'm sitting that uh, God is good, amen, amen. And, uh, and His Spirit is present with us, and we have no reason to fear. And I just, I love the Lord, I love all of you, and I don't necessarily love announcements, but I do love the, what it brings about, us all being on the same page with what's going on. So I'll give us a few of those things. While they're finishing up taking the offering Uh, today is the last day for a couple things and it's for two things particularly Uh, it's the last day to be able to sign up for food items to bring to the harvest party that's going to be taking place this saturday so you imagine potluck style type food there's a sign up out there Uh, today will need to be the last day that we have that out there Uh, so if you plan to come please plan to bring something uh, it's going to be a really fun time. It's this coming Saturday. Uh, 4 p.m. is when all of the food and activities start. Uh, There's going to be just a really fun, relaxed day, really. We're going to start at 4 o'clock. There's going to be hay rides. Uh, it looks like the weather is going to be awesome. Uh, we're going to have some hay rides for the kids. You saw all the pumpkins out there in the foyer. Um, those are for all the kids to carve and be able to take home and enjoy all that. Uh, There's going to be a candy apple station for the kids to be able to make make their own stuff and take those things home. So it's just going to be a really fun time of food and fellowship. And that time frame will go from 4 to 6.45. And then at 6.45 is when uh, Heart Song, which is the band from Cedarville, the worship group from Cedarville University, they're going to be with us this next coming weekend, this coming Saturday and Sunday. They'll be with us. And that Saturday night, after we have had our fill of food and activities outside and everything else, They're just going to lead us in a time of worship, and that's really it. It's not really much of a big agenda beyond that other than just a great time together of a church family, and it's going to be a great time of worship that will start at 645. Now, if the weather is just superb, which I imagine it might be looking at the weather forecast, there is a potential that we might actually even do the worship part outside a uh, heart song brings all of their own equipment. They set it all up. All we have to provide is a 110 plug for them to plug stuff into, which we can provide, obviously. Uh, so bring a chair in the event they may not be able to set up all their equipment outside. But in the event that they are, and in the event that the weather is wonderful, we'll probably just have the whole thing outside. So feel free to bring blankets for the kids if they want to sit and play on the grass and chairs. We may just have the whole thing outside, but that's to be determined. It'll either be in here or out there, but, uh, but if, it's, if it's decently nice at all, bring a chair. Throw some in the back of the trunk of the car, and, uh, and don't forget to sign up for the food that will be taking place for that coming up this Saturday. Now, also, today's going to be the last day of the sign-up for the Heartbeats Banquet uh, opportunities to help with that. Uh, This is an area of service that has nothing to do with the fame of our church. Uh, We're just offering to be servants at Heartbeat's fundraiser banquets. There's one taking place in Newark, one taking place in Zanesville, and they are taking place uh, on November 3rd and 4th. And the sign-up to be able to help for different time slots, nothing really that uh, tough to do with the areas of service they need. They need people to wait tables take people to assign tables, just service oriented, you know, fill up water glasses, all those kinds of things. Uh, If you're just able, if you're free on those days and able to help, please sign up for that. Today will also be the last day that we can keep the signups out for those. Uh, For the Operation Christmas Child, if you are one of the people that are helping uh, fill out the cards, writing the cards for the shoeboxes we're filling this year, uh, know that next Sunday is when we need all of those back in preparation for our packing party that will be on november the fifth so you might imagine that third fourth and fifth is going to be a busy time uh, but just make sure you get those back uh, when we need those that packing party will be november the fifth at 9 a.m and we've got a lot of boxes to pack <laughs> so it's going to be some work but we're going to get to it and we're going to see that it gets done and uh, and then also just something to keep in the back of your mind on november the sixth uh, is we're going to do uh, communion together so be ready to prepare your hearts for that time together as we partake of the Lord's Supper together as a church family. And so I believe that's all announcement-wise. Would you join me in prayer? Uh, Jesus, we are grateful for uh, the times like this when we are just so aware of your omnipresence, that uh, that your presence is unlimited, and that you are here with us, As we'll see even later in your word that you gave the promise that you would be with us. You would not leave us nor forsake us. You would be with us even to the end of the age. So Jesus, I'm just thankful that you're close to us. I'm thankful that you're nearby and that you're not some far off distant God. Thank you for being in our midst today to minister to our hearts and to provide for us what only you can provide. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody says... You can be taking your Bibles to Acts chapter 18. That's where we can take our Bibles this morning. And I'm going to be preaching a message today uh, titled Necessities for, and I guess it really realized it should have been the word of, Necessities of the Christian Life in a Pagan World. Uh, my prayer today is that New Covenant Community Church, that's everyone that is here or even listening in online, uh, that you have come to God with sorrow over your sin and that you've brought that sin before Almighty God and that you have been the recipient of the promise in Scripture uh, that He will freely, He will, not a question of whether or not He will, He will freely and abundantly pardon uh, such that you and I are the recipients, that you and I would be the beneficiaries of what Jesus did on the cross, that our sin debt would be paid for and that you and I might wear the righteousness of Christ. This is the gospel that we preach, that we know, that we love, that we hold dear. And it's my prayer that it is true for all of us that we are children of God uh, this morning. So as the children of God, how do we as Christians, as Christ followers, uh, the question we'll be seeking to answer today or what are some of the things that we see from God's word that we need in a pagan world? And indeed the world is given over to paganism. What are the things that we need as believers? And this is not at all an exhaustive list. This is just a very brief survey that we will look at of the beginning portions of Acts chapter 18. But before we really dive into it, there is something that I do want to share with the church. And some of you are already much very aware of what I'll be sharing. Uh, it has come to my attention that there is a situation, we'll say, uh, that is going on in our community, not necessarily Johnstown, but in we'll say in Licking County, And I posted a video of it yesterday on our church's social media platforms, and I want to take an opportunity to share that with the church also, because I recognize that there are many people who don't have social media, and that is completely fine. If it wasn't for needing to be on the forefront of things with the church, I probably wouldn't have a social media either, personally, it's just a personal thing. Uh, But I did post a video on social media that I want to make aware, I want everybody to be aware of the content in it, and then I have a, a, a... Rally of rallying the troops that I would like to beckon everyone to be part of at the conclusion of this video. Uh, this video does deal with the topic of obscene uh, things being presented to minors. And in the video, I try to be as tactful as possible with the terms and words that I use, but I just want to always say, obviously, you're the parent of your children, you are the one spiritually. Ordained by God to to disciple your children. So, if there's anything at all that we would ever share, I always try to give these disclaimers. If there's anything that you would prefer for your children not to be around or to hear, then I just want to give you that warning now. That again, I don't go into any grotesque or gruesome details, and I try to be tactful with the words choice that I used yesterday. Uh, but I do feel it is vitally important that we as a church together be aware. And then I am going to beckon that we be on the same board on the same. Uh, page when it comes to what we do as a church with this recent event that is happening inside of Licking County. So, guys, if we have that video, could you go ahead and please uh, play that now? Hello, my name is Ben and I'm the lead pastor of New Covenant Community Church in Johnstown, Ohio. I make this video to serve as a warning to families that live in Licking County, particularly families with young children. It has recently been brought to my attention that at the Grandville Public Library in the Children's Department, there is a book titled, How Do You Make a Baby?, authored by Anna Fisk. Uh, this book contains descriptions and depictions of nudity, of sexual intercourse, and is obviously inappropriate for the shelves of a Children's Department in a public library. A concerned community member recently submitted a request for reconsideration of library materials and thereafter, received a letter of response from the library's director, Emily Shellhouse, in which Emily Shellhouse communicates to this person that she had made the decision to leave the book on the shelves of the children's department in the library. Uh, to be clear, Granville Public Library and Emily Shellhouse are engaging in an unlawful activity. It says, according to the United States Department of Justice, quote, federal law strictly prohibits the distribution of obscene matter to minors. Any transfer or attempt to transfer such material to a minor under the age of 16, including over the internet, is punishable under federal law." End of quote. And we in the general society understand this to be true. If somebody in a workplace attempts to show a minor pornographic material, that person will be terminated promptly, and then they will be prosecuted over the crime that they have just committed. In the Gospel of Matthew, Christ pronounces judgment of the most severe kind, to those that would try and disrupt the way of a child and making their way in a moral one. And what Greenville Public Library is doing, uh, it is disgusting, it is illegal, and they should absolutely be ashamed of what it is that they are doing. You don't put obscene pornographic material in front of children, period. Uh, To do so is, by definition, criminal. Uh, If you're disgusted, as so many are, By what Granville Public Library and Emily Shellhouse are doing, uh, then please share this video, but more importantly, write a letter expressing your great concern over this matter to the Board of Trustees of the Granville Public Library. You'll see the address that you can send a letter to in the description of this video. Thank you. And then the next slide that you see there, uh, which I'm going to invite all of you to either pull out your cell phones and take a snapshot of that so that you can have that address, or to write it down if you've got a pen and paper with you. uh, I'm going to encourage that everybody who would consider New Covenant Community Church to be their home church and I'll stay down off here so if anybody, I don't want to be in anybody's way, I guess I wouldn't be, that thing's high enough. Um, Obviously we, (laughs) um, I'm going to encourage everybody that would consider New Covenant Community Church to be their home, uh, to write a letter to the Board of Trustees at Granville Public Library. Uh, It is absolutely the case that what they are doing is illegal. And it is, it is utterly appalling uh, that there is this notion that if in any other area of industry, if somebody did what they are doing, they would be, they would be terminated from their position quickly. Uh, they would be prosecuted, and in some cases, arrested. And yet, Granville Public Library and Emily Shellhouse are running amok doing this kind of thing. It's one thing when you hear of these things happening in California. It's another one it happens in Lickin County, and, uh, and I posted this video yesterday, and I checked just before service. The, the video is coming near. It's now over 1,000 views, so among that, I'm sure there will be a number of people that will be writing letters to the Board of Trustees of the Granville Public Library, and I'm hoping that all of you do, too, uh, to express that what they are doing is unlawful it is it is absurd that they would be allowed or even consider it even a possibly good idea to put this kind of material before children Uh, the kind of things that you even have to say out loud in the 21st century is just ridiculous men don't get pregnant and you shouldn't put that kind of material in front of children i mean it's just ridiculous that we even need to say these things out loud but but as is the case of scripture telling us the truth of what the world would be like in the day in which we live we're seeing these things firsthand. Uh, this is a spiritual battle. Be involved, church. Write a letter. Make a phone call. Uh, it, it, is, it is absurd what is going on. And we have an opportunity to influence this culture, at least this community here in Lincoln County. We absolutely do have the ability to do that. And we ought to, as a church, uh, have our voice be heard. And we ought to be the light of Christ in the world. Uh, what they're doing is not just legally wrong from the standpoint of American law, but it is absolutely biblically wrong, and if you've been a Christian or even maybe even not a Christian but have studied the scriptures even a little bit, you'll know that what they're doing is absolutely dead wrong. So I hope that you'll all be a part of that, and I'll reference the understanding or at least the idea behind this video uh, a little bit more as we go through today's sermon, uh, but it's enough for us now. Look at Acts chapter 18 as we're going to look at some necessities of the Christian life in a pagan world. Look to verse 1 once you've gotten your way to Acts chapter 18. It says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. So we've been studying in the book of Acts how Paul has been going around with his ministry partners and he has been uh, planting churches, starting churches in different areas. We've seen how he's been in Philippi, we've seen also how he's been in Thessalonica and then Berea, Uh, and now we also, last week we talked about when he was in Athens, that famous city. It was the cultural hub of the day in which was given over to idolatry. And we heard about what took place there in Athens as Paul stood on Mars Hill. He stood on the Arapagus Rock just outside the Athens city and he preached to all those people and some of which got saved. And now he goes to a place called Corinth. He meets Aquila and Priscilla. We'll say something of Aquila and Priscilla in just a moment. But we know of these particular places that Paul has gone to. Uh, we have a pretty good idea of what those places were like. You take, for example, Athens and Corinth, these two most recent places we've seen that Paul is going. Uh, And we know, very easily we know of the ancient world that in, for example, Athens, which is this place that is given over to idolatry, that it was very common to worship the god that they called Mammon. Uh, This god called, the false god called Mammon, uh, was the god of wealth and success and achievement, And he was one of the predominant gods that were worshipped in Athens, among thousands of others. But I'll mention here just a few of the most popular ones. Uh, the god of Bacchus was also worshipped. He was the god of uh, drunkenness, of alcohol, of all the things that coincide with uh, escaping reality and impacting the body in some kind of unnatural way. The god of Bacchus was who they worshipped for that. Uh, The god of sensual love went by a number of names that they worshipped in these forms of false gods. Aphrodite, Athene, and Venus were gods that they worshipped. Uh, That were gods of sex. They were gods of sensual lust. Uh, A god also worshipped in Athens commonly, among other places, was the god of Mars. Uh, Mars was a god of violence and revenge and power and strength. This was a god that was worshiped in those days, Uh, you get over to Corinthians, and what we know of Corinthians is that they were given over uh, to sexual lust predominantly. Uh, Back in those days, if you were to call someone a Corinthian, it was to call them a prostitute. The two were simultaneously understood to be the same thing. That is how given over to that kind of sin that this place of Corinth was. Uh, Now, the interesting thing is, is if you take the sum total of Athens and Corinth, And if you could smash those two places together to make one culture and one place, the current culture of America would very much largely resemble the culmination of those two communities, those two places of Athens and Corinth, and the sins that they were bent on giving themselves over to. And this definitely had an impact on Paul. As we've studied and gone through these things, we've understood in the different places that Paul has been used of God to plant these churches. And we know that there, have been, there has been some success, but it's also come with many failures. Uh, and we do know that this actually caused Paul much discouragement. And you say, well, Pastor Ben, how do you know that? It doesn't say that here in Acts. But it does say in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 3, as he's referencing when he did come to the place of Corinth. Paul says, I was with you in weakness and fear and in much Trembling. Now let me just say a word about studying the scriptures. As you read through, for example, the book of Acts and you see these different places being referenced, like Philippi, like Corinth, like Thessalonica, as you're going through that narrative, read the book of Philippians. Read the book the books of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. It will help you get a very comprehensive understanding as you see Paul get to Corinth. Read 1st and 2nd Corinthians. It'll give you some understanding of what was taking place as you see the whole picture of God's word. But we know that Paul was discouraged and we get to see today, to our benefit, not necessarily to Paul's, but to our benefit, we get to see what Paul did underneath this great discouragement. If you remember back and earlier in the book of Acts, he had tried to go two different areas initially to start his missionary work, and the Holy Spirit prohibited him. He's been in Lystra, where he was stoned. He's been beaten in Philippi. He's been imprisoned. And at this point, at least, the success has been minimal, although there have been some. Lydia, the successful business lady, the Philippian jailer, you think of uh, Jason, Jason that many others there were there were some successes but these churches that were in their infancy they didn't grow and become successful they had not yet expressed a whole lot of fruit yet and I believe that at least in part this is why Paul says in first Corinthians 2 3 that he came to them with much weakness and fear and much trembling and we get to see what Paul does underneath this discouragement I've heard it said before and maybe it's not a bad piece of advice They say, don't marry someone until you've seen them stub their toe. Uh, Don't marry someone unless you've seen them get in an argument with their family on the family vacation. Uh, you, You get to know what somebody is really, really about when you see them under some pressure. And this is what we see of Paul, of what he saw as a necessity for the Christian life in a pagan world. First of which is the necessity for Christian encouragement. Uh, We've seen how he would go to one place and very quickly Paul would want Silas and Timothy to follow after him. It was vital for him to have these friends in ministry along with him. You take any of the epistles that God used Paul to write, and many of them he's referencing people by name, whether they were helpful or unhelpful to him. It was very important for Paul to have this kind of Christian encouragement. And it's very clear that Aquila and Priscilla, I don't know about you, but I love their names. How funny is it that their names are, I mean, could you just imagine them introducing themselves to Paul? I'm, I'm Aquila. I'm Priscilla. I mean, just the, the, the rhyming, and it was just funny. It's just kind of funny and kind of, I imagined them to be a cute couple. I have no idea. They might've been really ugly or something, but, but I just imagined in my mind that they were this cute couple, but we know one way or the other, regardless of their physical appearance, as though I like to imagine, uh, we know that they became dear friends of Paul, They had the same occupation, they had the same trade work of tent making, and Paul is in Athens working with them because they were all of the same trade. So there's Aquila and Priscilla, husband and wife, and there's Paul, and they're sitting around making tents together, and we know that they became good friends. And we know that they encouraged Paul greatly. It tells us in the book of Romans that as Paul is being used of God to write the book of Romans, and and Paul says that Aquila and Priscilla even risked risked their necks for the sake of the gospel. And undoubtedly, they were dear friends of Paul and great Christian encouragement to him. And and just, I guess for me personally, my my view of Paul has largely changed in this. Uh, Earlier in my Christian walk, I used to kind of have this picture of Paul that he was kind of this lone wolf out doing his own thing and he was endeavoring to be a missionary to the world and all these things but as you really start to read the scriptures and understand some of these things uh, Paul desperately wanted this Christian fellowship this Christian encouragement that he was always having around him so what's the lesson for you and I I think it's pretty plain I believe it's a necessity that you and I have Christian encouragement around us uh, that we have authentic relationships among this body of believers and not just only here in this body of believers, but Christian fellowship, Christian fellowship and this like precious faith where we get good encouragement that we need. Paul was being used of God mightily. Somebody say amen. And we even know Paul himself say, say, says later in one of his epistles that he was being, his, it was as if his life was being poured out like a drink offering. He was like a sponge that was full of water that would be squeezed and expressed as he had a great effort in ministry, but, but he knew that that came with it, also the need to be encouraged. This ought to be a place where you and I encourage one another in our walk. This ought to be the place where in the sins that you and I are seeking to put to death, the deeds of the flesh, that you and I, we find no better encouragement than in the house of God. Stay, stay strong, brother. Keep marching. You're going to beat this addiction. God's going to help you through it. The Holy Spirit's inside of you. God's going to carry you through this. You're seen as perfect by God because of Christ's imputed righteousness on you. And and, and God's going to see you through to the end of putting this addiction to death. Finally, once and for all. This ought to be the place where we, in, in any avenue of life of this Christian walk, That we find this necessity of Christian encouragement, and it ought to start here in the house of God. When we walk into church, it ought not just to be for the agenda of just sitting, to just be fed. We ought to seek also, yes, to be fed, but to be expressed. For our lives to be a drink offering poured out, just like it was for Paul. To be a sponge filled with water, and we ought to look for somebody upon who we can... Be, that God would use us to encourage them we ought to come into church with that kind of mentality to seek who we might be able to encourage in this kind of way imagine this put maybe put it this way who are you being an Aquila and a Priscilla to it'd be good for all of us to have an answer for that because for Aquila and Priscilla it was Paul that they were encouraging and uplifting in the Lord we all ought to be the same kind of encouragement to people around us somebody say amen if you hear what I'm preaching Verse 4, as we look at it together, and it says, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, as was his custom, we know. We've seen that, haven't we, in the book of Acts, and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and he said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Verse 7. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justus, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, don't you love his name? If he lived among us today, I imagine he'd like Krispy Kreme donuts, but that's just in my own head. I just love the name. Some names like John and Mark and Matthew, names that are so common today, but then you have Crispus. I just like it. Verse 8, then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his household and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Uh, So what's going on here? You have Paul as is common as it gets to the point where Paul is entering the synagogue as is his custom every week. Every Sabbath he's going in and he's proclaiming to the Greeks and to the Jews. The Jews would have sat up front, there would have been a place at the back of the church of the synagogue where all of the Greek people would have sat, and he's there to preach to all of them that Jesus Christ is the king of kings and Lord of lords, that Jesus is indeed the Christ. And as he's doing such, he is opposed and blasphemed, and you see this scene, you have this picture in your mind of Paul shaking his clothes out and saying, from now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. Now, there are two reasons why I think we could really have a clear understanding of why Paul did this. Uh, one of which being a Jewish custom that when a Jewish person would be in Gentile territory, before they would cross the border. I know as a kid, when it, especially living there closer to southern Ohio, when you cross the border from southern Ohio into Kentucky, when you went across that bridge, as kids, we would always hold our breath. Did anybody else do that, or was that just my family? Oh, a couple, one other person did that. I'm, uh, two, three other. Oh, good. Oh, I'm not completely alone. And, but, and that's what I did as a kid. In those days, if a Jewish person was in Gentile territory and they would go walk across the border threshold into Jewish territory, they would actually shake off, they would kick their feet and shake off their clothes as a symbolism of saying, we don't even want your Gentile dirt on Jewish territory. You see it? Uh, and we even see this in something Jesus commanded and when he told his disciples, Matthew 10, 14, and it says, whoever will not receive you, this is Jesus commissioning his disciples. He says, and whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. So you see the same kind of symbolism in this Jewish-rooted tradition of why Paul would do this kind of thing. And you also see what the great insult, the great not come back it's not a vengeful kind of thing I don't believe but the statement that Paul was making as these Jewish people are opposing him and blaspheming God and he's saying from now on I'm going to the Gentiles not even this Jewish religiosity should be carried over into Gentile territory and we see Paul shaking his clothes I think another scripture that would give us some insight as to why we see Paul behaving in this way is one I've referenced numerous times Ezekiel 3 verses 17 to 19 this is God speaking to the prophet Ezekiel. He says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman over the house of Israel. Therefore hear, therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them the warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give them no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand." Yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. And I believe that very likely Paul was thinking about this when he was shaking out his clothes and to saying, my, your blood is on your heads. I'm clean. I've preached the gospel to you. I've fulfilled the great commission. I've done what it is that God has called me to do. And I'm going to preach the, to those who just might receive it. But it doesn't just end there of this failure, you might say, of ministry, of Paul going to the synagogue and and people just rebuking him and opposing him and blaspheming him. The scriptures go on, as we just read, that there was this justice character, Crispus, and many Corinthians that got saved. And boy, thank God for that. And and that is the pattern we've seen that a couple of particular names will be mentioned and then it will mention a few others of Corinthians or Thessalonians or whatever it might be, Bereans that get saved as as a result of Paul's preaching. I believe another necessity we see for the Christian life in a pagan world is that of Christian endurance. And we definitely, absolutely see this to be the case in the life of Paul. He wasn't willing to be stopped at the first round of persecution. He kept on pressing forth. And this is not even by any stretch of the imagination the first round of persecution. As we'll say in a minute, he's already been stoned. He's already been beaten. He's already been imprisoned, just to name a couple things. Out of the many things that Paul will suffer, this is not at all the first round of persecution. But we know absolutely that it wasn't going to be those blaspheming him inside the synagogue that was going to stop him a necessity for the Christian life that we see in a pagan world is that we're going to need to have some endurance Uh, as a result of the video that I had posted one of the uh, things that someone in the community had said and I guess they kind of intended it to be an insult but I I kind of agreed with them Uh, they commented on that video and said well you don't belong in Granville (laughs) maybe not Uh, and that's just such a small thing, but the persecution may be greater, and I ought to be ready to endure that. Before I posted that video, I knew good and well what I was getting myself and even potentially my family into, uh, but we ought to have some endurance for this Christian faith. We ought to take a look at Paul's attitude in some of these things and have some marching power in the things that we're doing. We're going to need to have some endurance in our faith, Christians. Somebody say amen. Uh, we're, we're going to need to have And understanding that if we're going to be ridiculed as believers for believing in in fundamental, proclaimed even by nature itself, the biblical principle of marriage between one man and one woman, if we're going to be ridiculed for that, we need to endure all that ridicule with great perseverance, with great endurance. Let them make their accusations. Let them say foolish things like men can get pregnant let us stay steadfast and firm in what the truth is and make no mistake in our culture today there is a war not on traditional values not on being old school the war in our world today is on truth it's on the reality of truth itself that is being warred against this is how you get such foolish notions like men can get pregnant utter nonsense that will be floating around in our culture and I'm sure while will even get backlash for even saying that out loud as I'm sure there's gonna be many more people watching the live stream just to get triggered to see the 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 Christian nationalist pastor that's getting involved with public don't show obscene material children how's that for an idea amen how about we just do what's right how about how about we just don't groom minors I think that's a good idea I, th- I think you let parents be the parents and, and you don't try to swindle children in in a perverted way. I, I, I think I just think that maybe that's a good idea. We're going to need to have some endurance in this Christian faith. Uh, I, I really have a heart for uh, single Christians and, and you have a heart to do what is right particularly with regards to sexuality and, 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 you, and you will hear it, as I know Abby and I did previous to us being married, that, that it's just foolish and absurd to think that this old way of, of abstaining from sexual relations until you're married and then the keeping the marriage bed pure and all these kinds of things, have some endurance for it. You're going to need it. And just know that God is on your side with this. And also know, too, that the truth is always congruent. It always falls in line with what God's Word says. Every single time, God has given the command to the single believer, to the non-married believer, that they should remain in their body pure and know how to exercise self-control. And it just so happens that this notion in our culture today, that you should just always live together before being married, it turns out that the divorce rates are much, much higher among those arrangements. And it's kind of easy to figure out because when you really think about it, you have two people that say, you know, we're just going to do this kind of arrangement of living together, and both of us kind of have the notion that we may be able to do better but we're just going to do this test run but leave ourselves an out in case this doesn't in case this isn't as compatible as I was hoping for it to be obviously that's no foundation upon which to build a marriage but you take two people who say you know what I'm just thrilled to death that I get to be with you and and it is so worth for us doing things God's way and I'm just so thankful that that you accept me and all of my terrible flaws and we see each other in our brokenness and we accept each other as we are and we're going to build a relationship on that, Uh, the statistics are on your side, dear friend, dear sir, dear madam, dear Christian single person, stand true, stand strong, stay true to the integrity of your heart. And even in this culture that is indeed a pagan one, you're going to need some Christian endurance. Let them lob their arrows. They don't have truth on their side you do. Somebody say, men? if you love the Christian single people among us, that, they, that God would help them in this culture as their relationships stay pure and as they re- reap the wonderful benefit and reward as God has designed for the marriage bed. Well, I'm going to make all kinds of people that are going to join the live stream mad today. Verse 9, it says, now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. So, if you're going to be a Christian in a pagan world, you're going to need some encouragement. We've seen that much, at least from the life of Paul. You're going to need some endurance. And you're also going to need Christ's endearment. The word endearment, meaning a loving promise. You're going to need the never-failing, steadfast, immovable love of God in his sovereignty to keep you rooted. And we see this in the life of Paul. And and just so we're clear on this, what this verse 9 that we just read is not teaching us, it's not teaching us that we will never face any kind of trouble because we most certainly will. Again, Paul at this point has already been stoned in Lystra, He's been beaten in Philippi, and he's headed towards his ultimate earthly end. It's not the ultimate earthly <clears throat> end. It's, it's just the temporal earthly end in which, in which it's understood, as tradition tells us, that he was beheaded in Rome. It's not as if God is saying that nothing ever is going to hurt you. It says in Second Timothy 3, verse 12, it says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. We know that to be the case. And we know that this was something that Paul was willing to give himself over to the work of. But what we do see here, what we do see here that is so sweet and so special, and and two things that we would outline from the understanding of God here, is that for the purpose for which God had called him, nothing was going to be able to touch Paul the Apostle. In other words, Paul could rest certainly and know without a doubt that any kind of trial that did come his way, was allowed by Almighty Sovereign God. It was allowed in God's timing and for His purposes and that nothing out of order was going to touch the life of Paul. If you're a believer and you love the Lord Jesus Christ and He is your Savior, you can know and trust without any kind of doubt That any kind of trouble that has touched your life, any kind of tragedy, any kind of terrible thing that has ever touched your life, you can rest and know, yes, it is painful. Yes, you have a very deep sense and an awareness of the wickedness in the world and just how tainted everything is by the curse and reality of sin. You have a very deep understanding of that, but you can also have an equally deep understanding that none of those happened by surprise to God. It's not as if anything has slipped through His sovereign fingers, and Paul had an awareness of this, we're going to have the necessity for this Christian life of Christ's endearment for us. And the last thing that I would draw our attention to in worshipers, if you would come at this time, uh, the last thing that I would outline for us, and as a matter of fact, while the worshipers are coming, I would invite the rest of us, take your Bibles to Matthew 28, popular chapter. Everybody turn there to the end of Matthew chapter 28, one of the promises that we just got done reading in Acts, our verse there in Acts, was that Jesus promised Paul that I am with you. And that promise was irrespective of anything that Paul might go through that was ordained by the sovereignty of God. And in Matthew 28, we have the quintessential picture of Jesus saying the same thing that he told to Paul in the book of Acts, but previous, while Jesus, previous to him ascending up to heaven, during that 40-day period that he was walking around on the earth after his resurrection, Jesus gives a sweet, sweet promise to his disciples. Go ahead and stand if you would. It's worth us reading this together standing. many of you will know this as the Great Commission and many of you probably don't even need your Bibles for this you know this in your heart but I want to read it to us and I want to focus in on the end of it it says in verse 18 of Matthew 28 and Jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth if that's comforting say amen our Savior has all authority in heaven and earth. Verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Somebody say always. Even to the end of the of the age Amen do yourselves a favor go and set the Bibles on the seats behind you and if you are thankful that our Lord and Savior will never leave nor forsake us and that he's with us till the end of the age if we clap for anything it ought to be that Jesus thank you yes Lord we thank you Lord and we praise you that you have promised to be with us even to the end of the age of which we don't even know the exact time of that but we do know that you will be exactly with us at that time that we do not know and we praise you for it jesus thank you that you have promised to always be with us to never leave us that when we feel alone that we are not that you are there that we are when we are discouraged that you are there and that when we are persecuted when we need encouragement when we need endurance when we need to be reminded of the endearment that you have for your children your word has promised to us that you are here that you will not leave us and that you have all authority in heaven and on earth Jesus we love you And we thank you. We praise you for your word. Jesus, I thank you for each and every person that is here. As you, by your grace, have allowed this young preacher to get to watch the King of kings and Lord of lords begin to cultivate and build for yourself an army. God, let us sound forth the truth this week. That children ought to be protected and not preyed upon. Let us have a holy boldness that comes upon us as we we seek to teach all the things that You have commanded which includes not harming children. Thank You, Jesus, for Your Holy Spirit to embolden us in this work. Let all of those who would seek to go a a, a wrong way, let all those who would seek to pervert the minds of children, let them see the truth on display this week as the mail pours in of people saying, this is unlawful for you to do and it's absolutely wrong and the judgment of God resides against you. And God, make us a people to preach the gospel that yes, even for them, even for the perverted, the offer of the gospel remains still, that whosoever will, let him come and drink freely from the waters of life that you give freely. Jesus, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. And all the church says, let's worship together.